Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. And today we're going to be taking a look at Planet Earth 2 Live in Concert. Now this is an interesting show. It's four trucks and it's been prepping for two days because it's the start of the uh, tour. Now this tour has been delayed and delayed and delayed and should have gone out originally two years ago. It was penciled in for two weeks after the original lockdown started so subsequently it got cancelled and postponed and postponed and postponed and now today it will be the first performance it's the first time all the orchestra played together properly live they've had a few rehearsals in a room together you know the uh, clusters of uh, musicians but this is the first time that they've all been fully together on the stage ready to go it's going to be very very interesting now sound wise you have two ginormous line arrays two wide and they're 10 deep you have a small selection of bass bins either side of the stage and you've got some front fills lining the front of the stage pointing outwards there is no uh, smallest line array pointing 45 degrees out because it's not that kind of show they just want it to be flat sound which is okay and the reason for that is you will get your surround sound effects because there's a full orchestra on the stage and if I haven't miscounted if I haven't miscounted including the um, conductor there is a 60-piece orchestra on this stage so it's a full-blown BBC orchestra so lighting wise the lights are the only there to complement the ginormous LED high-res screen and this screen is massive and I'll give you a sense of scale of this screen it is near enough as high as the grid itself and goes onto the floor and so they can get the correct resolution they have lowered the height of the stage the stage is typically 5.5 foot high and it got dropped down to uh, three foot so there's enough height to see the screen in its full resolution and the reason for this is the motor point arena in cardiff has a short grid height so the grid height is 38 foot and normally you would get between 45 and 50 foot of uh, grid height from uh, other larger arenas so it's pretty small here but it's doable and the only way to make certain things happen is to lower the stage in this case. There are no side screens because you've got a ginormous screen in the middle covering the entire back wall. You've got one back truss which is just in front of the screen and it will always point outwards, never in. You have at the sides of the stage two sets of trusses, one slung directly underneath the other and they yet point 45 degrees out from the stage so they basically cross the entire stage you then have a small LX bar front of house not LX1 but it will be front of house 1 even though there is no front of house 2 it's just still known as front of house 1 and this is to give some uh, front light and some of those units on the front of house bar are the robo spots and there's a couple of them on there and then at the front of the stage you have two rows of uh, profiles on 
independent stands off stage basically covering the uh, mast off wings and then you have a row of LED buttons at the back of the stage at the bottom of the screen pointing 45 degrees upwards and outwards so a very basic setup because the lights aren't there to make part of the show they're there to complement the video and that is it the lights have been picked specifically so uh, you've got a nice balance between the LED screen and the ambient background lighting states and I've been told by the lighting designer who is Jose Lorenzo and he's basically said that these these are the shows that are his biggest challenge because he mustn't bleed out the image from the screen but he's also got to make something that doesn't get bled out by the screen so it's a very fine balance to have and I, I know this because I've had to do similar things in the past myself with uh, with equipment that's designed to be brighter than the lights that he has. The primary function of the lights is to light the orchestra on the stage and the secondary function of the lights is to add side colour to accentuate exactly what's going on, on the screen. So it's just there as a complementary thing to give a nice visual experience because this show is all about visual and audible experience. We'll be back after this. So not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts, but we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book A Tribute To is fitting with the tone of the book because, like a tribute act, it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry, as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle. And the links for all these books are in the description below. And we're back. So we're going to go over the concept of Planet Earth 2. And we're going to start off with the BBC television show and then we're going to go into the adaptation for the uh, live in concert. So Planet Earth 2 is a 2016 British nature documentary series produced by the BBC as a sequel to Planet Earth, which was broadcast in 2006. The series is presented and narrated by Sir David Attenborough with the main theme music composed by Hans Zimmer. Announced in 2013, Planet Earth 2 is the first television series produced by the BBC in ultra-high definition 4K and set out to utilise new filmmaking technologies that had been developed since the first series. The first trailer was released on the 9th of October in 2016 and the series premiered on the 6th of November 2016 in the United Kingdom on BBC One and BBC One HD. It aired internationally on BBC Earth and other networks. 
The series received universal critical acclaim, with many reviewers commending the use of new filmmaking technology and declaring it among the best nature documentaries of all time. And it won two television awards and two television craft awards from the British Academy of Film and Television Arts and two Primetime Emmy Awards. So that's the background of the concept of Planet Earth 2. So let's have a look at the music. So Planet Earth is a television soundtrack album of incidental music commissioned by the BBC Natural History Unit for its 2006 nature documentary series of the same name. The music was composed and conducted by award-winning George Fenton and performed by the BBC Concert Orchestra. Fenton had previously composed scores for the BBC Wildlife series among them Life in the Freezer and Trials of Life and the predecessor to Planet Earth the Blue Planet. So here's the blurb from the Motor Point Arena. Rub shoulders with the acrobatic primate cousins. In the steaming jungles of Madagascar, race alongside fearsome hunting lions in the remote sandy deserts of Nambia and in what has become an iconic piece of footage. Feel the raw tension as a baby iguana tries to escape the clutches of deadly rattlesnakes. Hosted by Science and Natural History TV presenter Liz Bonin, with behind-the-scenes insight from, from Mike Gunton, the executive producer of the BAFTA and Emmy award-winning BBC television series, these live concerts will highlight the incredible power and beauty of Mother Nature in all her glory, featuring breathtaking specially selected footage shown in 4K ultra-high definition on a gigantic LED screen. A live orchestra conducted by Matthew Freeman will perform the remarkable music by Oscar winner Hans Zimmer, Jacob Shear and Jasher Kelby for Bleeding Fingers music. These not-to-be-missed shows will be an empowering visual and musical experience. So that is looking pretty good. So that's all the information we have about this particular show. They've obviously kept it tight-lipped because they wanted it to be yet a surprise. Because the footage has already been seen and the music's already been heard. It's quite literally the highlights of the Planet Earth 2 series. You can also buy the soundtrack from uh, all good music stores. We'll be back after this. A tribute to men that hate their jobs is a brutal but witty portrayal of working a job you hate. In this podcast, there are themes explored in which happy workers simply wouldn't understand unless they listen to these cautionary tales from a man that lost his ideal job because of the global pandemic. Be warned that this podcast contains strong, offensive language that some listeners may not want to hear. In addition, this podcast is definitely not recommended for younger audiences. The links for this is in the description below. And we're back. Now, yet again, this is the following day because after the loadout, I was having a chat with the lighting designer, Jose, who's, as I said earlier on, is a good friend of mine. Uh, so we decided to have a few uh, drinks and catch up. So here is the uh, breakdown of uh, Planet Earth 2, live in concert. Right, so there was a five minute hold at the start of the show. Not for any particular reason uh, on the production side of things, it's more to uh, be able to get people to get to their seats because they were coming in a little bit on the later side. But that's nothing uh, unusual, especially for a theatre grade show. They would do a seating hold. Anyways, so as the show started, 
the orchestra came out before the house lights dimmed and there was an immense round of applause from the audience and I think this is probably down to the fact that this show has been cancelled and cancelled and cancelled because of the pandemic so they bought their tickets nearly three years ago and they appreciated the fact that they wanted to see this orchestra this much loved BBC orchestra so as the overture uh, started the audience fell silent and it started off with pink lights fading into blue and then turning multiple shades of green as the 4K video began. As the overture continued and the regions of the planet changed, so did the lights. As they went from one environment to the next, for example, as they went from the tropics with uh, green and yellows, it went into yellows and ambers for the desert. So basically the lights tracked the environments of the uh, video that they were showing and to do this how they managed to approximate to the closest uh, wavelength of the uh, shades of the lights to match the, the colors of the screen by using his uh, little handheld device which it costs a nice tasty one and a half grand spectrum analyzer so you point it at the color that you want and the uh, analyzer detects the wavelength and gives you the correct wavelength so then you can go into the lighting computer your lighting desk and uh, type in the wavelength if you've got a good enough lighting desk or um, even the uh, most up-to-date LED technology you'll be able to find the correct one plug that in and it will match very sophisticated piece of technology especially with uh, the sophisticated LED technology that we have today when I first started off as a lighting engineer, that just wasn't even heard of. You only had the sheets of gel and you just had to guess. Anyways, getting back to the, the uh, show. So as I uh, brushed upon a moment ago, every uh, lighting sequence was in tune with the uh, LED screen. And the way how Heiser did it, because there's, uh, because there's lots of different colours on the screen, Jose picked the uh, dominant colours and what I notice as well which you'll only notice if you're actually looking for it and I was looking for it because when you're mates with another lighting designer you both critique each other's work and say oh that's brilliant I liked how you did that how did you do that and then you have conversations about it and um, I pointed out to Jose when I met him later on that evening that he picked out all the dominant colours as I just said and then there was a sequence where the camera was going through a rainforest and the dominant colour was green and then as the canopy of the trees uh, started to break up he added in a few bits of broken up whites and when I say broken up whites it's the white lights with uh, a break up gobo to, uh, to give it a nice 3D image so that matched the, uh, what was going on the screen and then as the break up stopped and you got different shades of green he changed the whites into the lighter greens that are complementing the dominant green so nice little intricacies there and uh, I have to say that was very well done well thought of now that is what you do to make things interesting and it's only a subtle thing you don't need washes because at the end of the day when you're watching a show which is predominantly a video screen with an orchestra sat in front of it most people just do uh, washes of color not Jose he just did it as intricate as he possibly could and uh, that's where it looked very very interesting and gave it an extra body of life now sound wise predominantly it was good sound 
and the and the sound engineer he had a bit of a battle on his hands he ideally needed another one more rehearsal but it's not about his ability it's about the fact that it's been a long time since most people would have start would have come back and mixed a 60 piece orchestra so rehearsal is a must the whole day prior to the show they were rehearsing and rehearsing and then the day of the show they were rehearsing and rehearsing but he managed to get a little bit of feedback here and there not not much not much and it was a shame because it was a really good sound that he had and he was definitely riding high or riding low it was just on the edge and what do you mean by that well because of the amount of sound that's going through the system he was always one step away from uh, the feedback and that's because he's not had enough time to eliminate certain frequencies which is a pain so you had a little bit here and a little bit there but by the end of uh, by the end of the first uh, half of the show there was no more feedback and then at the end of the show and on the second half of the show there was absolutely no feedback so he did what he would have done in the next rehearsal had there been a next rehearsal and it's a shame it's a shame because I could tell that this sound engineer would probably be kicking himself about this and he shouldn't beat himself up because he had a, a really good sound and as I said had he had one more extra at rehearsal that wouldn't have been an issue so when they're in the next venue which would actually be today there would definitely be no feedback because he would have saved all the settings all the frequency settings and in their rehearsal there he would have had to do a few tweaks because there would have been a different building and different acoustics but most of those frequencies would have been eliminated which would have caused the feedback and as for the orchestra wow it's been a long time since I heard a small orchestra let alone a 60 piece orchestra and I have to say it was quite a privilege to listen to 60 very very talented uh, musicians and I do wish I had got to see a few more shows like that it's just a pity that we don't get them in that often but here's looking to the future because if shows like that become successful then people definitely want to do more and come and see more and I hope that in the future we will get more but yeah damn it was great to hear a 60 piece orchestra playing all perfectly together you don't get that much these days if you're going to hear an orchestra uh, in, in any show it'll be like a 20 piece max but no a 60 piece orchestra it sounded exquisite now the only downside that I really saw to the show well I say only minus the uh, obvious minor feedback issues the lack of the audience now you had this amazing show amazing visual and audio experience and it should have been a full house but it wasn't and the reason for this is two and a bit years is a long time to wait for a show and over two and a bit years people either couldn't get time off of work to go and see that show that they booked two and a half years ago to see it well they booked it over three years ago to see it two and a half years ago and getting time off work at this time might have affected the audience intake also the big elephant in the room for this one this show was mainly for the older person and unfortunately over two and a half years if you take if you uh, take the pandemic out of the equation you do lose a lot of older people over two and a half years it's just inevitable
and then on top of the pandemic then you've got a few more people from that number so it's a bit of a shame it really was you did have a lot of younger audience members in there but it was predominantly uh, older audience members and that's what affected the numbers with a bit of luck they'd get better ticket sales within the rest of the tour and I hope that they do because it's a really good show to watch some nice cheeky animals that they put on there especially with the monkeys uh, going around robbing stuff in India <laughs> that was the highlight of the show for me to be honest watching all these uh, pickpocketing monkeys and bold monkeys just going out in a massive pack going robbing the, uh, the markets blind <laughs> now how did the audience like the shows themselves well other than me enjoying it they really enjoyed it they really enjoyed it at the end of every uh, section big round of applause they enjoyed listening to the orchestra they enjoyed the visuals of the show and at the end of the show there was a standing ovation i mean a proper standing ovation that goes to show that they that the people who came to see that show were very very appreciative of a show of that caliber and the musicians of that caliber and not just that it's the high standard the high standard of musicians that they had in that orchestra it's great to see that i do like a show where you get a standing ovation because it just goes to show that that it was brilliant everyone enjoyed it and it was definitely value for money most definitely if it wasn't value for money then there would be no one given a standing ovation or maybe one maybe two but no you had the entire auditorium give the orchestra a standing ovation so that was definitely showing that the show was value for money it's not often that you get a standing ovation in a show in a theater show within a within the arena thank you for listening if you've enjoyed today's podcast please hit like subscribe and share it and if you haven't already done so why not check out the rest of our content on our website which is www masterxmedia.info and we'll catch you next time bye for now